All righty, welcome back to episode three of Broke Boys. This is your host, Stephen Cole, with our co-host, Shondo. First off, I want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening to our past two episodes. We appreciate that deeply, and we are excited to be that we have you guys on this journey with us. And so for today, we're going to kind of get into it. We have a Q&A. So first of all, thank you to everyone who went to our Google Forms and put some topic suggestions for us to do for the, today's episode. So if you have any topics that you want us to discuss, go to our link tree in our bio, and there's a form where you can submit a topic for us to discuss. So with that, though, let's dive right into it. Yep. So our first question, though, or topic, I would say, would be something that both of us can relate to pretty well. Uh, someone put in that, what was our experience as being in the private school as being one of the few black kids? So I'll let you go first. Uh. My experience was pretty cool. Like, I had no problems or anything. Like, <laughs> it just felt like a regular school to me, to be honest. Like a regular, regular school life. Like, you just go to school, bullshit in class, then you go play sports, go home, and repeat the cycle. So it was just, it was, it was, it was a typical school life for me. See, my experience was a little bit different uh, at ECS. I will say. Uh, First off, I want to say I'm very thankful that I did go to ECS. It opened up some doors for me and <clears throat> set me up with some people that are lifelong friends. So for you guys, you know who you are. I appreciate you guys for being there day ones. But I will say being at ECS was very hard at times uh, because I will say you probably can't agree. You can agree on this, that uh, rich white kids typically think they can say and do whatever they want. And there shouldn't be any repercussions for their actions. And so that was probably my biggest issue at ECS. Uh, over the five years I was there, I received a lot of racially triggered comments that came my way, we'll say. Uh, and uh, it was it was tough, I will say. It was tough, but I will say that I'm – not per se glad that it happened to me, but I am thankful that those experiences kind of help shape who I am today because I would say my self-control when it comes to public settings is pretty, pretty good. Dealing with all that crap I had to deal with, being called the hard R, being told, like being, all the stereotypical jokes that were being made about being black. Uh, so those things kind of did help shape me to the person I am today. But I wouldn't wish that anybody has to go through that because it is a lot to deal with and you got to have a certain mental strength and be have a certain carry yourself a certain way to get through that because private school ain't cheap. We both know that. ECS won a cheap school. And if I retaliated the way that I really wanted to, I would have been kicked out of school and that would have been very hurtful to my parents because my parents were grinding for me to go to ECS but uh, it it was it it was something I will say it is a it's an experience that you it's kind of hard to talk about too because like when you really think about the stuff that was going on at ECS at the time like I excuse my French but it was kind of fucked up you know what I mean for like, sure you got the same people who say that you're friends but they'll make racist comments. Or if something like when the worst, I think the hardest time, honestly, of it all 
was when Black Lives Matter started because that started like 2016 going into our senior year. And like that, that era was just hard because I was told that by my coaches at at school that the reason I received racist comments because I talked too much, which is just like mind blowing that you can tell someone that. And I was told by the headmaster at the time that racism doesn't exist in an environment like ECS and that talking about racism is a controversial topic because it doesn't exist at that school, which is kind of crazy because I have proof and witnesses of people calling me inappropriate things and things like that. You know what I mean? For sure. But yeah, it it is it's something, bro. It 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 is it's uh, it's hard. But I will say, the white friends that I do have from ECS, they're great people. I'll vouch for them. Uh, so to my boys out there, I love y'all. Appreciate y'all for show. Uh, See, but yeah, I, I I ain't have to do anything personally. I ain't have to do anything. Any of that to to me, none of that happened to me. But I, I did hear stories about having, like some of my friends stuff, but. Our, our grade was so deep, like they 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 didn't know what to, they didn't know how to try that shit with us. So, but yeah, I feel, I feel like ACS said hey, y'all had fewer black people, so yeah, that was like that was like they can just try whatever they want because they want yeah, the that, black people in your grade. They would, they would even say something. Like, they, they didn't know how to try that shit with us. Yeah, we didn't have as many black folks like y'all did, and like that was <clears throat> that was a big thing too, which kind of like my sophomore and senior year, which made me want to go to St. George's, was mainly because like. My black friends in high school are all African, and you know what I mean. Like that, that it, it's it's not the same, but it's the same in a sense. You know what I mean? For like, sure. uh, but yeah, it, we didn't we didn't have as many. I think I graduated in total with around eight or nine black kids. If that that could yeah. be that could be a generous amount, um, but yeah, and I'm thinking that with the two. With being a minority student at ECS, I was the only outspoken African American student. So like I received a lot of the heat unlike other people because I'm opinionated and I'm gonna I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say and I'm a you know what I mean, I'm not gonna comply and just complain be this image or be what y'all want me to be. I'm gonna be me. And so um it was it was hard, I will say, but I will say with uh, just the way I am, I had to get to a point in life where I couldn't always be like, fuck all these white people. Like, I hate them. Like, they so-and-so said this to this and me and all that. Now, don't that doesn't mean I'm just, like, ignoring it. But at the same time, I just can't. I don't live my life being a bitter person, you know what I mean? And, like, I can't hold grudges. And so I even if you they never apologize, I still forgive and move on just because <clears throat> My mental, my my mental peace is more important than words coming out your mouth. Cause like at the end of the day, they words. They ain't gonna let your words change the way I feel and think about myself. You know what I mean? So, and so like, uh, yeah, that shit was hard. But I will say to uh, to those who have over time reached out, like throughout, <laughs> co- like going through college and post college life, and up apologize for some of their actions. I appreciate it deeply and it's some who've never apologized but at the end of the day like if i see you i speak but i'm never going out my way to really hang out with you or anything like that because you you know why you know what i mean yeah facts um so this next question is a little more oriented to me uh so i'm going to talk a little bit about my experiences so 
the next topic is experience working for a sports team. So I will say working for Mississippi State was by far some of the most fun I've ever had in my life. Uh, it's a time that I, I miss a lot because working in sports is fun. It's a grind. So to anybody who is currently working in sports and or thinking about working in sports one day, you have to realize that anything entry level in sports, uh, I'm just going to keep it a buck, which is bitch work. Like you are grinding, you are doing the dirty work. You're doing the stuff that nobody wants to do. You are working your ass off to hopefully get somewhere one day and it's worth it in the long run. Uh, and I will say like my roommates and two of my best friends or really three of my best friends from Mississippi state all came to me through working for sport. Uh, my boy, AJ Cole and Logan. So y'all three of y'all listening, appreciate love y'all boys. Uh, and like, it is, it is, it's a, it's a fun experience. I will say too. And also I got getting the chance to work in the NBA with the Grizzlies and sell was also a great time uh, because you kind of get to appreciate things more when you're on the behind the scenes side of it. And you get to see how all the pieces of the puzzle fit and come together for game day and all the things that go on behind the scenes. And it kind of makes you fall in love with an organization more. Because I'll say, I was never the biggest Grizzlies fan growing up. I was always a Kobe guy. And after working for the Grizzlies for almost a year, it made me really fall in love with the team and the people there. Because I would say working in sports, 90% of it that I love about it is the people you work with. Because you work with some of the coolest people on earth. And I can honestly say from at Mississippi State and at the Grizzlies, everyone I was with was some of the coolest and most down-to-earth people. And to this day, I still keep up with all of them because they're just good folks and love them all. And it was a fun time for sure. I, I miss it some days, I will say. Uh, but it is an experience, I will say, if you're ever interested in working in sports, you should do it once because life's too short to never to like never say you tried. And it is it is something that you should put yourself out there for and at least do once or twice. So Dale, we got a we got a funny topic. Uh so the next topic uh from someone is what are some of our funniest blackout drunk moments? I'm gonna let you go first on this one. <clears throat> I don't know, I don't even have any moments because like my blackout I don't I don't remember the shit from the night, so I can't I can't really say stuff I did, but I will say one of my guys, he said, uh, one of my guys, he, uh, I was, I was at home at UJ one night and he decided to just walk around my shirt off, just talking to random girls and just getting in over and shit. But I don't even remember that because I was blacked out. So <laughs> I, I, I don't remember anything when I blacked out. No, and I, I feel that. And a hundred percent, I could see, I could see you doing that. That's the thing though, with the blackout drunk moments, you don't ever remember none of it until someone <clears throat> kind of walks you through what happened. So I would say my funniest blackout drunk moments were for sure in college just because of that uh, reckless college fun. And I have endless uh, just four years of going to SEC school. You're bound to have a blackout drunk moment. I'm, I'm positive. So I'll say my most memorable ones that uh, just the reason why they're memorable because there's video proof of me in these moments. Uh, number one would be my freshman year to all the Mississippi State folks. Yeah, you know, 
about this bar, Hobie's, when uh, Hobie's and Maddie's were the move early on in the Mississippi State days. And so before going out, uh, we had a friend, uh, keep her name anonymous, but she called me a, she called me a bitch because I, I had a handle of Evan Williams, which, by the way, is the worst whiskey ever. Um, and she's like, you a bitch if you can't finish that whole handle before going out. And knowing me, like, I ain't, you know what I mean? I'm not going to let you call me a bitch. You know what I mean? Like, I got to I gotta go ahead and turn up. So, finish the, finish the handle. Now, <clears throat> uh, look at all my friends, because we were in the dorm uh, at Cresswell Hall pregame. And I look at all my friends. I go, hey, whatever happens, y'all taking care of me because she called me a bitch. And everybody was like, Stevie, please, no. And I was like, it's too late. It already happened. So, we get to the bar. I'm okay for, like, two minutes. After that. I am blackout, passed out on the couch in the bar, laying on the couch. And my friends are, like, trying to get me to get up and respond, everything. It was just a shit show. Like, that's probably one of the drunkest I've ever been in my life. Uh, so that's that's one moment. And then another uh, moment from college that a lot of my friends we still laugh about. Uh, so my 19th birthday, so my sophomore year of college, Florida played Mississippi State, and this was before I started working for Mississippi State in football. And growing up, I used to be a Florida Gator fan. And Florida, so before the game, celebrating my birthday tailgating, drink way too much. Like, I've been drinking all day, didn't eat really at all. So I get in the game, I watch probably a few minutes of the first quarter, then I pass out until the fourth quarter. Like, I am stone cold out. Like, can't tell you a single thing that happened during that game. I wake up with like two minutes left in the fourth quarter and I just started yelling, let's go. And right when I was yelling, Florida just scored to retake the lead in the game. So everyone in the, in the student section looking at me like, what the fuck is this dude on? Like, what? <laughs> I don't and, know. And so we leave there. I got my boys Cuckoo and Ben there, there in Starkville with me. So uh, we're about to go to one of my friend's apartments to go celebrate my birthday. So we go back to my apartment, freshen up change. And then we go to their apartment. And so we get in, drinking, having a good time. And I will say peer pressure in college was a was a motherfucker for me because I caved to peer pressure all the time. And so... <laughs> Could be me. <laughs> yeah, I was that guy. I was just like, if you said, Steve, let's go do this, or Steve, we're about to do that. I'm like, okay. Like, that was just that person in college. And so, so two of my boys, they looked at me, they go, hey, you're going to break this plastic table today for your birthday. You got to. And it took me a minute. I thought about it and I was like, all right, you know what? Fuck it. Like, why not? So I stand on the counter, get ready to jump through this table. <clears throat> I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if you've ever seen the video, but I'm going to have to show it to you at one, one point. It took me three tries to break a plastic table. Like the one, you know, like you've seen the videos on of Twitter, on like Bill's Mafia. Like yeah. Bill's and jump through those white tables. So yeah, that same concept. But it took me three tries to break this table. Bro, the first time I slid right off the table. Like, I didn't even, like, make any damage. Like, my body hit the table and I just slid off. Second time, I jumped in the middle of it, but I flip off and hit hit the ground, like, head first. Shit hurt. The last time I finally break it, and my head hit the table so hard. Like, and it didn't help that the whole time I was going through breaking this table process of we were drinking Everclear that night. And before I broke the table last time, one of them handed me a water bottle full of tequila and like, hey, finish this real quick and then you'll be good. Bro, 
when I mean, when I tell you I had a concussion, like 110% I was concussed. Like, it's without a doubt. I was, con- like, that shit was, shit kicked my ass. And that was one of the worst, worst decisions I've ever made. But it's one of those moments where you can just look back in college and be like, yeah, I was young, dumb, young, young, dumb, and just stupid. Because it was just, now I can't do that. Like, I would be, my body would be in pain for two weeks. But back then, bro, I used to think I was in- invincible. And that would just be stupid shit we would do. So having that drink talk, man. It's exactly when you get some of that. When you get the drinking, you think you, you think you Superman, bro. And that that's what I was on. I thought I could do anything, and that shit it got my ass. I ain't gonna lie. Yep. So <laughs> then this next topic, I I kind of know who sent this one in, though. I think two times sent us this one. Uh huh. But the topic is how is shooting? Uh, what's uh, the difference in pulling girls on Tinder versus going out to bars versus shooting shots in regular places. Uh, I'll let you take the lead on this one. Shit, when I go out and I and I see a girl look at me, that's my that's my sign to go up and talk to her. So that's how, that's how I go about pulling a girl at a bar. On Tinder, I just I just I just I just have to sit straight to the point. Like, she she know why I'm here. She. And she know, and I know why she here, so shit. I'm just like, what you trying to do? That's pretty much what I ask most of the time. Like, what you trying to do? And what was the other part? Uh, and like regular places like stores, uh, shit like that, like grocery stores, shit like that. Uh, I ain't no shot at a grocery store, so <clears throat> I don't gotta come there on that one. But if I go to a bar, she look at me. I'm going up to her, and on Tinder, I just be like, I just ask what she trying to do. Nah, I feel that. See. Tinder, I feel like it's just it's understood. If you're on Tinder, like you can't be one of those people that's on Tinder and you're truly looking for a relationship because that's cap. Like, if you want a relationship, it's a dating app you go on. It's like Hinge and shit like that. Because I got friends who have been dating for a minute and they've met on Hinge, but like Tinder, like I'm same way as you. Like you know why I'm here. Like I may s- slow talk or small talk for a little bit. Then I'm gonna hit you with a lame pickup line to let you know, like, listen, I'm just, I'm trying, you know what I'm trying to do. Like, I let, go ahead and give me the number of snap. If you in the city, let's link up. Uh, if I'm out of town, I'll probably like use Tinder because it's just like, I'm here for a, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. You know what I mean? Yeah, facts. Going to a bar, I will say, uh, it just depends on the bar I'm at. I will say the approach you take in Memphis is a little different from elsewhere because I feel like more girls in Memphis when you're going out are a little bit more stuck up than uh, elsewhere. So I kind of come at a more respectful approach when I'm in Memphis. Cause it's not more more or less about bagging them. It's more like, hey, let's let's set up dinner. Let's go on a date type shit. But when I'm out of town, like it's like, hey, so let's get straight to the point. What you drinking? Let's go dance. What you doing after this? Oh, you're not doing that. All right, I think you should come back with me. Like that's kind of just my mm-hmm. my approach because it's like, bro, I'm, I'm on vacation. Exactly. I'm I'm not here for nothing else. So like, let's go ahead and get to it. And then in stores, uh, I've I would say it depends. When I go to a grocery store, like. You really just got to catch my attention all the way in the grocery store, you know what I mean? For me to yeah. come to you. Because I'm not just going in a Kroger or Target like, ooh, let's find some bitches today. 
Exactly. Like I gotta really be peeping you out to be like, all right, let me go, let me go hit, let me go say some. But I'm the same approach. Like, hey, think you're attractive? What's your name? I'm Steven, Blah 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 blah. Like, if you're not doing nothing this weekend, can I get your number? Let's go get dinner, or let's go, let's go get a drink, and kind of go from there. Uh, I will say, grocery store approach. It honestly, hitting on folks in the grocery store really works well because, like, I don't know, it's just some. It's like a calm environment in the grocery store because you think like. I don't ever be on no no demon time or nothing like that in the grocery store. Like I don't ever be going to Kroger and be like, oh, I'm on demon time. I gotta go to Kroger. Like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, so grocery store grocery store is a a good one. Just being being kind of calm and controlled and just respectful. Asking for number. I will say too, asking for numbers is the move to all the single dudes that are listening. Do not ask for Snapchats no more. That is that oh, is yeah, that's high school shit. Yeah. I don't know why, but asking for numbers and also asking for Instagrams is the it's kind of a new wave because say she may not feel comfortable giving you a number, she'll give you an Instagram, you DM her, next thing you know it, you got her number, or B, while in the DM, she's telling you to pull up. So no more Snapchat. You can have Snapchat and use it. I mean, everybody still use Snapchat, but like, don't ask for the Snap no more. That's kind of... That's kind of for our age group. That's not the mood no more. Folks want the, folks want you to ask for their number, and I don't know why, but the Instagram DM is also kind of revived recently. So that's that's the way. But when it comes to Tinder, though, I haven't used dating apps in a in a minute. Like, yeah, I don't use, use this in forever. Yeah, it's been a it's been a minute. I will say, right when I became single in college, like finally again. Uh, it was it was big for me. Like I was I was on Tinder because the thing about it too, bro, it was quarantine summer. Like there wasn't shit to do in Memphis. Like in Starkville, you could go out, but you couldn't really go out because it was limited capacity at the bars. Like I I lived on Tinder. Like it was it was and that was kind of a douchebaggy thing to say. But I was was a single college dude trying to get it in. So like uh, I was I was on there. I, my pickup lines were so head ass, so head ass. But to any of those folks that's listening that it worked on, it is what it is. Um, but <laughs> but um, the next topic for us would be Sean. Uh, do you need a chop to be to be able to pull? <laughs> you sure. can guess who this one came up. You can guess who that one came from too. There's only one nigga we know who's in that. See, I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna have a guess, but uh, if I had to say it, <laughs> nah, not really. See, I, but if you got if you got like a little scraggly beard, you know what I'm saying, clean that part up. But see, if your hair messed up, just put a hat on, you'd be all right. That's what I do sometimes, I just put a yeah, hat on, exactly. Like, I feel like being chopped is like obviously, you for I feel like being chopped is more for us than for the girls, you know what I mean? Because like when yeah. I'm chopped, I think I'm I think I'm top, I think I'm top five. And like out there so like my confidence is through the roof and you can't tell me shit when i get chopped like when i'm not but, chopped, i'm a little more humble you know what i mean and and if i just am say i'm wolfing and just not in the process of getting chopped and just ragging it up every day like i'm gonna line the beard up real quick throw on a fitted or like a trucker and still make some shake because like you can't you can pull with or without the haircut. It all comes down to confidence. Like, yeah, having a haircut make you give you a little bit better, a little more points for the looks out of it. But 
you know what I mean? If you if you got the confidence and you got juice to you, like it ain't gonna it ain't gonna change much. Like you getting a haircut ain't gonna make you just be like <clears throat> be Jordan one day then the other day you Forrest Gump. You know what I mean? Like you you still the same nigga. You just gotta have confidence. So like you gotta talk to her. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like if you if you got your confidence, you'll be able to you'll be able to be able to handle your business regardless. Like but I would say Getting chopped, it ain't many better feelings. When you get chopped for on a weekend, and you get the text, "Hey, what you trying to do? You trying to go? You trying to go out?" Like it, it's the confidence is is through the roof. It is. It's like it's time to get active. Like it's it's DT. DT is activated. Like I am. I'm trying to make some shake. I got to. I just got to chop. Facts. <clears throat> That's facts right there. Nah, like um. For sure, you don't you don't need a chop though to pull. It helps a little bit if you if you lack in confidence and getting a haircut is more for you to help boost your self esteem. But at the end of the day, you just got being you is gonna get you further than having a haircut and all that. So be confident in yourself and your abilities, and just be yourself because I feel like you ain't even gotta be the best looking dude. But if you come at somebody with confidence. And confidence, but not arrogance, because there's a big difference in the two. If you come in there with confidence, like you'll be, you'll be straight for sure, for sure. Facts. Uh, so the next question would be, uh, what's the signs of a true friend? Shit, the signs of a true friend is basically just one of your one of your boys. I can say one of your because I have a lot of true friends, but it's just, it's just a person that's gonna be there for you if you need if you need something. You can you can always rely on them, like you can always talk to them whenever a problem comes. It's just somebody that's gonna be there for you. Not not a, nobody's fake and just talk behind your back and shit. Just you know what I'm saying a, a, a real person. No nah, facts. Like for me, I would say, and I think everybody who's friends with me know that I kind of consider myself to be a good friend, just because what I bring to the table when it comes to a friendship and. My my kind of gauge on what a good friend is is more of <clears throat> if I'm if I'm down bad and shit just not going my way, like I know that you always gonna be there for me. Uh, you always will uh, just have my back through good times, bad times. Like no matter what's going on, you still gonna fuck with me even if shit not going my way. Uh, and it's just somebody like you kind of can rely on through everything. Like uh, I kind of, for me, a lot of people know I use the term best friend a little differently than other people because I have a lot of people that I consider my best friends. And then besides best friends, it's kind of like you step into that next threshold where you're like family to me. And like, you are you kind of even though it's not blood, we're not blood related. Like you still in my eyes are like family, so it, it it's not hard being a good friend because I think being a good friend just stems from being a good person. And if you know how to be a good person, you can be a good friend. Like the what you will want from somebody is what you got to give somebody. You know what I mean? Like you can't expect me to always be there for you, always fuck with you with some bread, or always give you rides and this and that. But when I ask you for something, you don't know how the phone works. So I think it's a it's a two way street where you kind of uh, 
gotta you gotta give what you gotta give and take the equal amounts because I think with any just friendship and relationships uh kind of in my eyes this is kind of a mistake that a lot of people make how we think everything should be 50 50 <coughs> and that if I'm putting my 50 percent in you put your 50 percent in that's that's makes a hundred percent which I think is kind of false because what I view as putting 50% in is obviously going to be different from what you view as putting 50% in. So the way I look at it is if I'm putting my 100% in, no matter how it is, I put my full 100% into our friendship relationship, you put your full 100% into our friendship relationship. It's like there's no way that we can – like it should be impossible for neither one of us to really say like we're not good friends. You know what I mean? Yeah, facts. Because we both put it in the same amount of work, the same amount of effort, time, love, all those things that kind of build a good relationship. And so also, which is crazy, too, I would say, speaking of sound of good friends, I may I may talk about you and your, the St. George's boys real quick. In high school, we I fucked with y'all, but I didn't fuck with y'all like that. Only person I really fucked with was Corey because just – that's my nigga from middle school. I knew Corey before I knew y'all. And so we really went cool. And speaking of Corey, a little quick tidbit, shout out to Grizzly Golf. The drop was last week, July 27th. So if you haven't gotten your shit, there are limited supplies right now. So go to weargrizzlygolf.com. Make sure you go get the polos that you want because stuff is selling out. It's not as much left. So go check the website. The heat is there. My polo comes in today. I'm letting you know I'm going to be rocking that bitch tomorrow. Like, I got to because it's fire. My polo and my hat, like, go to weargrizzlygolf.com. Go check my boy out because the drop is hot. It's some good shit, and you get your money's worth. But back to the friends thing. Like, at ECS, I will say, uh, I I think for every black kid in private school, I think uh, the biggest thing you need uh, besides just good a good foundation from home is a good group of black friends while you're at private school because you need people that relate to what you're going through. And like, I didn't have that per se because it's just the kids I went to school weren't like, they didn't really get as much as I got because everybody just kind of was quiet, mind their own business. And you know me, I'm not that person. Like it's, it's impossible for me to be quiet for a long period of time. And so, <laughs> so like, it, I'll tell everyone, like, it really was a blessing because I would say we all got real, really cool during quarantine. And that was because of Xbox. That's right when I, I just bought an Xbox One and I, I stopped playing PlayStation. And I was just like, I hit Corey up and go, hey, can I start running the game with y'all? Then, boom, met you, Q, Larry. D, I mean, I knew Dion from middle school playing FIFA, but Larry, JR, TK, Kylan, and Salsa, if I forgot to name somebody, I apologize. Uh, Devin, my bad. I can't forget my boy Devin. But, like, that was the thing I think I missed the most from my experience at ECS was having a group like y'all had at St. George's because y'all were deep. Y'all had a, y'all had, y'all had a squad, and, like, that's the one thing I can wish I could say that I had, but now looking at it, it's like everything, you know what I mean? God, God lets stuff work out the way it's supposed to, because some that I didn't really have in high school, 
that I had a little bit in college, but I didn't have that much of just be, just because of where I was, what I was doing in college. And now that I'm out of college, I can really say I have it. And then it's a blessing because obviously like we, we, we went to private school. We got friends that are white. I got friends that are Hispanic, so-and-so and so-and-so. But having friends that have kind of similar experiences in life that you have is very important because you have people that relate and can sympathize for what you're going through and just kind of understand life because y'all have had similar experiences. Facts. And so that was that was an angle cap. Quarantine was big because – from court, since 2020, like I can say, like I hang out with y'all honestly the most because Nick, we talk every day on the game, group messages, all that shit. Like we are always, I'm always talking to y'all niggas. So uh, quarantine, I would say quarantine was big because that's when I really made. Cause like I had friends in college, but towards the end of college, I started to like low key slowly cutting some people out of my circle just because they was moving different and I didn't fuck with the way they was moving. My roommates were two of my best friends at the time about to graduate. So at that point, it was like, you know what? Like, boy, I was really like, dope. Go ahead and pull up the Starville this weekend. Shit, I ain't got nothing to do. All right. Like, that was, that's what I was moving on. Yeah, yeah. But nah, but back to the main question though, signs of a true friend, I say if any friendship or relationship, because I feel like to have a relationship, say in dating wise, you have to have a friendship first. Uh, you both got to put 100% in because when you put 100% in, there's never no doubt about who did what because you both gave it your all. Because when you put in 50% hoping somebody else matches your 50, it just now becomes a competition. And that's not a relationship because I don't, try to compete with none of my friends. Like, there's, like, you know what I mean? We're not competing. What, what are we competing for? There's no, there's no winner in this. If this is a relationship and we're both are mutually, we should both mutually benefit from this. And so, right. that's just kind of my little mindset on it all. Uh, so, the next uh, question that's on here would be, what is your biggest uh, takeaway from past relationships you've had? Shit, you talking about dating relationships? Yeah, yeah, dating relationships. Uh, <laughs> shit, I ain't, I ain't have no takeaways, but to be honest, cause like, like I said, I'm 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 an excellent person. I don't be, I don't be reading too deep into things that happened in the past. So like, I just move on from it. But I guess I can just say, uh, I guess I can say I learned it. Somebody can say one thing to your face, but be doing a totally opposite thing, totally opposite thing behind your butt. So I guess I learned that. Like, it's a lot of fake and a lot of lies out here, man. Nah, that's facts. I will say, uh, I've only been in two relationships, <clears throat> so um, I I haven't dated as much as others. But I will say, from kind of both relationships, what I've picked up is that you don't ever change who you are for someone. And if a person has a problem accepting you for you, then that means you don't need that person in your life. Uh, And it is completely okay with that. And that's like my biggest thing too, is that I've had to learn when to let go completely and not reopen any doors because like I said, I'm a very forgiving person. 
and I always like will circle back to people and I've gotten to this point now where it's like it's a reason why I've I should have let you go forever ago and I just haven't and so excuse me now it's like I've learned that I have to learn it the hard way I've had to go through some headaches some just trials but learning to let go don't change who you are for somebody because being you is always the best thing you can ever do now that's not saying that like obviously you don't grow as a person because growth is a part of human nature and everyone needs to grow but changing who you are as a person and your the essence of your being like that's something you should never do like if i'm an outgoing social person that don't mean when i'm with somebody i need to be an introverted person like no i still need to be the outgoing Stevie that I've always been. So never kind of changing who you are for no one. And then my my biggest takeaway too is just always be honest. Like don't don't lie about anything because that just gets you jammed up over time. Like don't don't lie. Just say what you guys say. Be truthful about it. Be straightforward about it. And whatever kind of happens from it, it happens and just keep moving. But don't don't lie, because that just that's just too much energy. Like constantly trying to work and fabricate a story. Just be honest, be straightforward, and tell somebody your true intentions and what you truly feel because beating around the bush don't do nothing good for nobody. Facts. And so and then this last question, I'm pretty sure this is also from two times. Uh is now a sports related question because we went from not really talking about sports to now this sports related question. Uh, who do you think has been the best off season signing for the NFL and the NBA? Uh, for the NBA, I'm I'm, I'm gonna be boss. I'm gonna say Deontay Murray because I did, I feel like that's a, that'd be a good backcourt, a, a good backup backcourt pairing with Trey because he can play defense and he can also play all ball. And Trey can play all ball too, and they both can handle the uh, handle the point guard, handle the point guard role. So I feel like I feel like they both work really good together. And football, if NFL does a uh, does a uh, Trey count? To, well, I just, I just did a trade, never mind. But I'll say uh, you can say trades or free agency, whichever one or both is up to you. Shit, I don't, I don't, I don't, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't making NFL like that for for agent pickers. But I'll say. I would, I would, well, I, I just figured out like, yesterday that uh, Tampa Bay picked up Julio. Yeah, so I they feel just like, kind of weak. Yeah, I, I feel like Julio is gonna thrive there because, I mean, what's his name? Bruce Arians. He, I feel like he's a good coach and he gonna he gonna open he gonna open up some opportunities for Julio and with all Bruce his receivers. Gone. He re- that's why Brady came back. Bruce Arians retired. Oh well, whoever that coach is, they uh, that coach is um. Used to be who was a DC, a black guy. I can't think of his name. It's about to bother me. I should know it, but uh, they they got a black head coach now. Oh well, see, they run the same offense. Yeah, Tom, got- Tom Brady gonna be Tom Brady gonna find him open because they got all the receiver threats in the world. So all they gotta do is just go out there and get open. He gonna he gonna have a good season. So I feel like, I feel like that's a good underrated pickup. No, nah, and Deontay. I Curry. agree with that because uh, I think. Uh, for NFL, my best like signings, I think, or acquisitions, <clears throat> I'll start off with a few teams that I think did well. So, number one, I think, would be the Chargers. You go and get Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson, 
two dudes who are all pro, um, pro bowlers. One's a Super Bowl champ. Like you got two dudes that come in and they kind of help. Kind of like I think a lot of people don't realize in sports, culture builders are big, like big pieces of teams, and you need guys that come in and not only buy into your culture, but are also just good veterans to have. And so I think Asante Samuels Jr., the other corner for the Chargers, will benefit a lot from having J.C. Jackson because he had a good year and he was going up against a lot of number ones. But now he gets to go into playing more number twos and I think he may play a little slot. Who knows? But he can he can play against number two. J.C.'s going to come in playing against number one. <clears throat> you got two freaks coming off the edge with Bosa and Khalil Mack. So – and you got it. You got Duran James as a safety. So you got a you got a defense with some dogs on it. And Justin Herbert just got to keep balling. So if he keeps balling and handling his business, you'll be good. Another good signing I think will also staying in L.A. will be Allen Robinson for the Rams. Uh, I'm an Allen Robinson fan. Allen Robinson just kind of got mistreated in Chicago, and that's just kind of the truth. Before Justin Fields, he didn't have anybody. Like at all, you have Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles throwing you the ball, like, and you're still putting up good numbers with them too. And I'm not the biggest Matt Stafford fan, but that offense opens up for everybody, and so a lot of attention is going to be on Cooper Cup still because like the dude just went fed last year, and so Thanks. I think Allen Robinson can turn up this year in that offense because um, Allen Robinson is a is a if he was on any other team. Damn near, he'd be wide receiver one. But being a wide receiver two in L.A. will just help. And then who knows what's going to happen with Odell. Say Odell does come back and play for the Rams again. Then Thanks. you you got – I mean, him going to New Orleans would be live. Like, you get him and Jarvis being on the same team again, that would be dope. With, uh, mm-hmm. with Jameis, I think they could do something. But if Odell does stay in L.A. and – and he can be kind of back to the Odell that you saw in the Super Bowl before getting hurt, your offense is scary. Like, you got three dudes who have all been wide receiver ones and arguably can still be wide receiver ones on other teams all on your, like, disposal. So I think Allen Robinson is a good pickup. And then my last uh, one will be, I think Deshaun Watson going to Cleveland is a good pickup. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be missing the first six games of the year. So you got to just get by with whoever you have as a backup. So I think their backups are Josh Rosen and Jacoby Brissett. I could be wrong. Straight trash. But you just got to win. I think for them, them first six games, you need to go three and three. That's your goal. Go three and three and try to be 500 before you get your you get your all-pro big money quarterback back. Because Deshaun Watson is cold. Deshaun Watson was doing – more with less in Houston. And now you gave him Amari Cooper, Nick Chubb, good old line, above average defense. Like and the new head then their head coach in Cleveland is way better than the coaches they've had. So I think Deshaun Watson was a good pickup from them. Then for the NBA, I will say DeJounte is just like that's just a great pick because DeJounte Murray is one of the most underrated players in the league. And he does not get the respect I think he deserves because I don't really know why. Like, dude is cold. And now you got somebody who you can change your offense in uh, Atlanta where Trey doesn't have to be the primary ball handler, which he obviously 
can do and is great at. But you can set your offense up now where you can have Trey coming off more pick and rolls and DeJounte can orchestrate all that and gets Trey. Trey can get better shots out uh, up and – which I think will be a benefit for Trey's game and your just total offense. So I think that was a great for the Hawks. <clears throat> then my other one would be Malcolm Brogdon to the Celtics because now you're one through five all plays defense in Boston. So you're going to have Brogdon, Smart, Brown, Tatum, Williams. One through five, you are, you are good. Like all five play defense, you can switch well. You you can just lock people up. I mean, locking people up is kind of a uh, overstatement in the NBA because nobody really locks anybody up anymore. But you can really play good defense and make difficult shots for people. Because like, I think for Brook or Boston, you don't need to go get KD. Like you don't need KD. You just beat KD this year. Like True. what? Like you don't need him at all. And I think Malvin Brogdon is the type of piece you need because a he gives you more offense than Malcolm Smart, and he plays defense as well. Because Marcus Smart, I think, at times can be a liability on offense, but I think Brogdon is a perfect last little piece to the puzzle for them because that's the type of piece they need uh, up in Boston. So, And Marcus Smart, to me, is not really a point guard. Excuse me. I think Marcus Smart has always been a two-guard who's just kind of had to play – the primary ball handler because it hasn't been one in Boston in a minute. Like the last one in Boston was Kyrie and that didn't really work too well. And Kyrie and uh, Kimball Walker both didn't, both didn't go well. And I think just because of their play styles don't fit what the Celtics need and look for in a point guard. And so I think Brogdon, Brogdon and DeJounte Murray would be my two best off season acquisitions in the NBA for sure. Hopefully we see some more trades go down soon. Hopefully there's I like even though I'm a Grizzly guy, I want my I want my boys to do good. I just love the idea of potentially seeing Kyrie in purple and gold. Like yeah. I think Kyrie as a Laker would be Oh the Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, think going to the Grizz. I'm like, huh? No, no, no. I would that would be the dumbest thing we could ever do. Facts. But Kyrie with Braun as Braun is kinda getting ready. Not he's not falling off whatsoever, but we we don't have that much longer getting to see LeBron James play. And if you love basketball, you have to respect what this man does night in night out. And I would love to see him potentially getting to close the last few chapters of his career out with Kyrie because that that era of him and Kyrie in Cleveland was fun, and that was some of the best basketball you could watch. And so I would love for that to happen. So if that happens, that'll be my number one. But I don't know because. If you could do a deal where you got rid of AD and Russ for KD Kyrie, I'll get rid of AD, Russ, THT, and freaking draft picks for 2030 if I got to to get a Brooklyn to get them to. If you were able to do that and get them and have that, your big three, Brown, KD, Kyrie, nobody beating them. I get rid of the whole team and just run them three out there. Yeah, honestly, play three on five. I think you'll be straight. <laughs> but that's, that's my – my pick for for my the off season acquisitions. See, I got one. More, I got one for NFL. I was gonna. I was thinking about. Uh, I forgot about this guy. Tyreek Hill was a good pickup. Oh, for the Dolphins, that is true. I didn't even think about Tyreek. I thought the Dolphins uh, literally about to be the Chiefs two point All I need, all I need is two to turn up because Michael Sicky can be Travis Kelsey. You already got the, the deep threats and uh, 
Waddle and Tyreek Hill, it, it, it really just stems on uh, Tua because their defense always been good. So it's, it's, it's really just Tua. It's in, it's in Tua court now. We're going to see what he do this year. They say he's been looking good, but I don't know. He made it to me. But we're going to see what's up. Yeah, I'm not a big Tua believer just because Tua hasn't played a full season since he's been in the league. But uh, personally, I don't want the Dolphins to do good just because they're in my division. But Tyreek Hill was a good pickup for them because that's a home run hitter. And now you got two home run hitters on your team. Uh, but I don't really – I just – now it's, they got to, I think, use Gusecki differently because Gusecki never really played tight end in college. He was more of just the deep ball threat and jump ball threat as kind of played more out at wide receiver. He wasn't really a traditional tight end in college. And so it's kind of been a learning curve for him in the league. So – I feel like if you can kind of use Gaseki that way, I think he can turn up because Gaseki is a Gaseki is six eight, six six, six eight, six seven range. Like as a big dude, you gotta give him the ball too, and having Tyreek Hill and Waddle to open the field up for him will be big because uh, you'll have you'll have threats all uh, and options around the board. So now it's just kind of up to Tua and what Tua we get because if you can get the Tua from Bama. You'll be all right. You can make some shake. But if you get this tour that you've been getting the past few years, you ain't going to get nowhere. And you you would have been screwed up because you should have just traded for him for Deshaun Watson when you had the chance. Facts. But no, Tyreek Hill is a good one. I like that one. I didn't even think about that one. And ooh, another one I just thought of, too, would be Vaughn Miller to the Bills. Because even though he is, isn't the same Vaughn Miller from Denver, it's still Vaughn Miller. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll see Bob too. I think that's another good pickup because Von Miller's a disruptive player and he's a baller. And also, my last one. This is my sleeper. I'm just a fan of him. I don't know why. And you made me. I just thought about another one too. Maddie Ice. I'm a Matt Ryan fan because Matt Ryan's the most disrespect. One of the most disrespected quarterbacks in like to me. Like Matt Ryan's a for sure Hall of Famer without a doubt. And Indianapolis is always always has a good team on paper to me like it's just quarterback play recently post Andrew Luck has been holding them back because you've had just Kobe Brissett you've had now Carson Wentz and now like those didn't work out that well now you got Matt Ryan and you gave Matt Ryan a team that he can do something with like he has weapons again and Matt Ryan puts up numbers every year he's put up numbers last year with Russell Gage and and Kyle Pitts is cold but like he, that was that was it. He didn't have nobody else, and his O line sucked. Like now he got a good defense again, good receiving threats. So I think I think Matt Ryan can do some stuff in uh, Indianapolis. He had quarter real, but see, Jonathan Taylor that's ten times better quarter real. So yeah, he gonna he gonna make some noise. Yeah, I think I think Matt Ryan's gonna turn up this year. But with that. That's the conclusion to episode three. I want to say, first of all, thank you to everybody who have taken the time to listen to our past two episodes. We appreciate you. Before we end, I want to get a couple quick shout-outs. I want to give a shout-out uh, to my girl, Angie, down in Miami. So if you're a small business owner and you're looking for ways to elevate your business, go look up my girl, Angie. She works for Brex. She is the GOAT. She will get you taken care of. Then the last shout-out will also be 
to my boy Dion. If you're looking for a good artist up and coming in Memphis to go listen to, go look out. Go look up my boy Darrow underscore nine on one on Instagram and Darrow on Spotify and Apple Music. His music is available on there. Go give him a check out because this shit is bumping and go look into him. But with that, thank y'all. We'll get up with y'all next week. Zer.